They need to hear this badly. All right, I want to start with another chart this morning. I'm excited about this chart because I, I was blown away by how many references there are to the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Now, first of all, there's 96 references just to the word Holy Spirit, okay? Say 96. There's 96 references. Now, but when you talk about the Spirit of God, there's multiple titles. It's not just the Holy Spirit. There's multiple titles to God. So here's the next one. The Spirit of the Lord is over 28 times. Look at the next one. The Spirit of God is about 26 times. And the next one, the Spirit of Truth, is 24 times. Now, that's a lot of references to God's Spirit. More references to the Spirit of God than there are even to Jesus. Look at the next slide. These are all references to the Spirit of God. God is referred to in His Scriptures, the Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, is referred to as the Spirit of glory, Spirit of might, Spirit of grace, Spirit of love, All these are the third component, not God the Father, not not Jesus the Son. These are all Jesus the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of judgment, prophecy, God, truth, counsel, power, life. That's a lot, a lot of references, isn't it? And so we see that God has multiple different descriptions of who His Spirit is. There's also five different symbols, and we're going to land on number five in just a minute and talk about it, but I want to give you the first four. The Holy Spirit is defined and described as as five different symbols. I think everybody's familiar with the dove, right? You know about the dove? Uh, And sometimes we begin to think that the Holy Spirit is a dove. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit was like a dove, and we know that reference. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove. Now, why a dove? Because the dove is a bird of peace. And so the Holy Spirit has come to be active on this earth to give you peace. The second reference, the second symbol is this, of water. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, living water will flow from them. Now, why water? Why would God's spirit be described as water? Because water is cleansing. You see, active on this earth is the Holy Spirit. He comes to give you peace but he also comes to cleanse you. Number three is oil. Now, this is not like petroleum, like $101 a barrel. That's not talking about that kind of oil. It's like olive oil. And in the Old Testament, every time there was oil, it was an anointing. And so if somebody became a judge, if somebody became a priest, if somebody became a king, if somebody became an elder, they anointed them and the oil would drip all over their hair and all over their beard and off their chin. And it was, it was oil of gladness. And so the Holy Spirit has come to bring joy into your life, gladness into your life, peace into your life, and cleansing into your life. There's another one called fire. And Jonathan and Rick were kind of doing that a little bit about fire. There's what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated them. And they were all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. But here's the one I want to land on today. The Holy Spirit is described as a symbol of wind. Now, as a fisherman, I'm always watching the wind because if the wind is too great, I'm not going out there, okay? I was to go out yesterday, I'm not going out there. Now, if you're a sailor, the more wind, the better off it is, right? And so the Holy Spirit has been described and defined as a symbol of wind. And here's our verse, and I want everybody to read this out loud with me. Are you ready? All right, here here we go. All right, here we go. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, 
but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, what is wind? What is wind? Wind is simply air in motion. So what causes it to go into motion? It's the sun. The sun heats up the air, the air rises, and then there's a gap. And every time there is a gap, hot air rises from the sun, and then all of a sudden what rushes in to fill the gap is wind. And that wind is is cooler air rushing in. And so the sun creates the heat, that, that air rises higher, now there's this gap, and cooler air is the wind that rushes in. Now we live on the coast. And so we're kind of familiar with sea breezes, right? We call them sea breezes here. And we talk about land breezes. So guess what? Even if you like, aren't sure of the whole Jesus thing, you're going to learn a little bit about weather today. It was worth coming to church in the rain, right? So here's, here's a sea breeze. Look at a sea breeze. The sun warms the air over the land. In our case, you know, we're right there by the coast. So the warm air during the morning during the day, gets hot over the land. That air gets heated up first, and it rises. I don't know if you can see the arrows there under the rising warm air, but it rises. Now, what happens is now there's a gap. And because of the gap, the cool air comes in, in our case, not the ocean, but the gulf. And so the cool air comes in off the gulf, and that's called a sea breeze, right? We like the sea breezes. That feels good to us. A land breeze, the next picture, is just the opposite. A land breeze is where the air now out there over the gulf, over the ocean, is warmer. And so that air is rising. And a land breeze at night, see the little moon? Isn't that pretty cool? I think that's cool, man. That's night. All right, so it's rising, and now you've got descending cooler air over the land or over the coast, and it's now rushing the opposite direction back out to land. So wind is the air that is rushing in to fill the gaps. What has that got to do with Jesus? It's got everything to do with Jesus. Jesus said, guys, I'm getting ready to die. I'm going to be crucified, but it is for your good that I'm going away. And they go, it's not good. We don't want you to go away. You can walk on water. You can raise Lazarus from the dead. We we don't want you to go away. You're great. Jesus said, no, 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 no. It is for your good that I go away. Because when I go away, I'm going to then send you. And he talks about the counselor. He talks about an advocate. He talks about a helper. He says, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to send you somebody so great. Now, why would he do that? Because you've got gaps. And I've got gaps. And everybody in the room understands and recognizes that we've all got gaps. The only people in the room who don't recognize or acknowledge that they've got gaps are people on the psychiatric floor. And I'm not making fun of that. They're perfect. They got it together. The only people in the room who won't admit that they have gaps are people who are so worried about image management. And you're so worried that you always give the right image. But Jesus is saying basically... I'm coming to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to work in your life and fill up your gaps. Now, we all feel those gaps. 
We all recognize those gaps. We all know that we're broken, and we all recognize that other people are broken. In fact, if you wanted to, you could point to your neighbor again and say, I know you're really broken, right? You're really messed up. But we feel that way. And so Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to be on this earth. It's going to be very active in your life, and the Holy Spirit is going to work on your gaps. Now, if you notice this, Jesus always went to gap people, and gap people always came to Jesus. Jesus goes to the woman at the well. She's got gaps. He goes to her, and look, she's had five husbands and all these men, and he's basically telling her, these men are not going to fill your gaps. Zacchaeus, you are the wealthiest man in the whole Judean area. You are, the, you are incredibly financially wealthy, but you, got, you are so spiritually poor. You have such a spiritually poor, there's, there's such a gap within your spirit. And you see then that, that, that gap people would come to Jesus. The blind men were trying to find Jesus. Hosanna, Hosanna, have mercy on us, son of David. The lepers were, who were unclean were trying to get to Jesus. If you're willing, you can make us clean. I, I, I'm willing, said Jesus. I'll make you clean. This is one of your greatest perks today. Is as a human being, the spirit of the living God is, has chosen to live inside of you and to do life with you. Now, I don't think we need to talk about our gaps I think we feel our gaps. I think we recognize our gaps. We've got health gaps. We've got emotional gaps. The, the person in this room with the best relational skills, you know all your relationships are just not right. You feel the gaps. You feel the tension. The person with the best EQ skills in this room still has relational gaps, and we feel that. The person who's the healthiest in this room, the fittest woman, the fittest man in this room, you know deep down there are still some health gaps. No, no matter how much money you have, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next year or go to war again. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. Everybody in the room has gaps. And so Jesus says, it's for your good that I go away. Because when I go away... I'm going to send you somebody who's going to work on your gaps inside of your life and to transform you forever. And so our main character today is a guy by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus has some gaps. And so John chapter 3, here's what he says to Jesus. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Verse 2 He came to Jesus at night. Now, why did he come at night? Did he have gaps? Was he embarrassed? I don't know. Um, Did he not want to be seen and exposed by everybody else? I I don't know. Great sermons have been written about that. We don't really know. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing. See, Jesus is doing signs. And the Messiah would do signs. The Messiah would heal. The Messiah would feed. The Messiah, and Jesus is doing all those things. They were, re- they were trying to recognize who the Messiah was. So he, he's, Nicodemus has a gap. I can't quite figure out this Jesus guy 
because he doesn't fit with the rest of us, but he seems to be above us and beyond us. And Nicodemus is going, there's a gap in my thinking. No one could perform the signs you're doing if, if God weren't with you. And I love what Jesus does. Jesus just cuts him off in verse 3. Jesus is not a very good counselor. He didn't listen for the rest of the story. I get that. Every counseling story is about seven different categories, and every good counselor knows in the first 90 seconds how this story is going to end. And I think Jesus just kind of cuts him off. Very truly, if I'm wrong about that, I got some gaps in my theology. How's that? Okay. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Nicodemus then makes kind of a silly comment. Well, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus continues to correct him. Verse 5, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God. No one can enter the kingdom of God. No, no, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and of the Spirit? Now, what does that mean? Verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit, and I can't wait for about two more weeks, I want you to notice that one Spirit's capitalized and one Spirit's lowercase, and there's a reason for that. You see, one of these is God's Spirit, and one of these are, it's your Spirit, and I'm not sure that we fully grasp this, I'm not fully sure that we grasp that when we become a believer, that God's Holy Spirit enters into your human spirit, and it changes everything. And so in two weeks from now, I am stoked to talk about that for the entire week. God's Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, but I'm not going to give it away. You have to wait for two weeks, okay? Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit, Holy Spirit, gives birth to your what? Your human spirit. Verse 7, Nicodemus, you, you got a gap right now, but you shouldn't have a gap. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying you must be born again. You know the law's not working. You know the covenant's not working. Nicodemus, you, you, you know this isn't the end of all things. This is just like the beginning. And then verse, verse 80 says this. This is such a cool verse. And we're going to unpack this in just a couple minutes. And Jesus says, the wind... That wind, it it blows wherever it pleases. And you hear its sound, but you really can't tell where it comes from. And you're really not even sure where the wind is going. So it is. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. That's the good stuff, okay? That's the dessert. Let me make five observations first about this story. Observation number one, if you're a note taker, get your notes out. Tell your neighbor, you need to take notes. I can tell by looking at you, you need it. Number one uh, is this, Nicodemus thinks that he's in because he's religious. Now, you can be religious to feeding your dog. You can be religious to goldfish. Being religious is not the same as being a Christian. And so because Nicodemus is part of the old covenant, and following, making all these sacrificial, you know, sacrifices, that, that he, Jesus is going, look, dude, this isn't a system. It's not, you're not in. You're not in. Observation number two. Being born again is not an optional religious experience. Because your mama is a Christian doesn't mean you're a Christian. 
And because your dad's a Christian doesn't mean you're a Christian. And if you are a Christian, it doesn't mean that your kids are Christians just because you're a Christian. And Jesus is saying, this is something that every man, every woman has to make a decision about to to whether or not we're going to be born again. Number three, the flesh won't get to heaven. You need to be made spiritually alive, Jesus is saying, by a second birth. The flesh is your physical birth. But in order to qualify for heaven, there is a need for what? A spiritual birth, the second birth, number four. And conversion is both, a, I think this is interesting, conversion is both a water and a spirit experience. Now, what is Jesus referring to? Because in just a minute, he says, Nicodemus, you should know all this. I think it's Ezekiel chapter 36. And what what Nicodemus does is he studies the law all day long. All he does is study the law. He should know the law inside and out. He should know Ezekiel 36. And here's what Ezekiel 36 says. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and, and move you to, care, to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land that I give to your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. And so he says conversion here is like it's a cleansing and it's a spirit. It's a cleansing and it's a spirit. Conversion is a cleansing and it is a spirit. And then number f- the fifth observation is this. Jesus thinks Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you should know all this. You should know the law is not working. by, By now, Nicodemus, you should know that all this is not working. All right, now we're coming to you, all right? Because here's how the Spirit wants to work in your life. This is how the Spirit of God wants to flow freely through you and to other people. Here's the first one. Jesus says the wind blows wherever it pleases. I don't know why you're female. I don't know why you're male. And I don't know why you were born in a non-Christian family. And I don't know why you were born in a Christian family. And I don't know why your best friend invited you to youth group. And I don't know why you moved in next to a neighbor who, who went to church. And, and, and I don't know why you live in the city. And I don't know why you, you live in the country. I don't know any of those things. But I guarantee you, none of that was by chance. None of that just happened to fall into place. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 says the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth. And then all of a sudden God said, let there be and let there be and let there be. And the Spirit of God went to work and boom, there was light. Boom, there was this and boom, there was that. And everything took into place. My friends, you are not an accident. And where you are placed and what you were born and what your sex is and what your location is, all of those things have come from your Heavenly Father. And the Spirit of God is behind the scenes crafting all those components in your life. The the wind blows. This is God. God chose you and he put you. He gave you certain skills. He gave you certain abilities. He gave you certain parents. You're adopted. You're born. All these things have come from your Heavenly Father. And the Spirit of God, it's not just like random chance that all these things happen. Everything that's happened in your life, it's the Spirit of God working in you to fill those gaps and then to fill other people's gaps in your lives. And we need to recognize that. And so Jesus is saying, let me tell you about the Spirit. 
The Spirit of God's behind the scenes doing things you never dreamt or saw or thought about. The, Spirit, the wind blows. Jesus says this. He says, you hear it sound. In other words, the Spirit of God, it is perceptible. You're not really sure always how it works, but you can see it and you can hear it. Let me give you an example. So all of a sudden, you know, you're in a conversation with somebody and you're like going, gosh, this doesn't sound good. This doesn't sound like God. And you, you're going, all, all right, that's, that's, that's not from God. That may be from not the Holy Spirit. That may be from an evil spirit. And so the Holy, you can hear the Holy Spirit of God. You can smell the Holy Spirit of God. You can, re- you can see when the Spirit of God is at work and you can see when the Spirit of God is not at work. And what he's saying here, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you see the signs. I've raised Lazarus from the dead. I just fed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish, 5,000 men, 5,000 women, 2.2 kids. You've seen the signs. You've seen everything. You can perceive the Holy Spirit. And so I would attach my wagon to the people that you can perceptively see the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And I would unhook my wagon from people that you don't see the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. Jesus is saying, you can can hear it. You can see it. You can smell it. You can taste when God is at work in your life. And everybody in the room, you know what I'm talking about. And Jesus says this. He says, you can't tell where it comes from. You don't even know where it's going. In other words, Nicodemus, this is a whole movement from God. And God's just about to blow the doors wide open. And we're going to Jerusalem, to Judea, Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We're about to change everybody's hearts and everybody's lives and everybody's minds. And I think this is what's so amazing about the Spirit of God. Is God loves you so much that he's going to give you 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years on this earth, and he's going to allow you to be a part of kingdom purposes. You you don't know all the things in your background that taught you, that made you stronger, that made you smarter, that made you more gifted. You don't have a clue how God was working all those things out. You don't know where it comes from. You're not even sure what God's always up to in your life, but, and you don't know where it's going. You have no idea the legacy that you can leave, the legacy you can leave behind. I remember when Denny and I were first married, and we talked about having kids. And, you know, we thought, you know, may, maybe, you know, this isn't about us. Maybe it's about our kids, and maybe, like, you know, our son or daughters or whatever will be this or be this. And, and you begin to think about how... how it isn't about you, but it's, you're a conduit, a channel through you. You don't know how God wants to work through you. So how does God want to use your money? How does God want to use your skills? How does God want to use your time and your talents? How are all the ways that God... You don't know if you'll just open up that door and get on that third bus. You see, the third bus is where he's driving. Second bus is a good bus. Maybe he's in the back seat. The next year he moves up to a better seat. The next year he moves up to a better seat. But the third bus is where your hands are not even on the wheel. And he's directing your entire life. You don't know what the Spirit's going to do in your life today. This afternoon, when you leave this place, you have no idea what God wants to do through you. So you be ready. You be open. You be perceptive to the moving of the Spirit. Spirit wants to move and work in your life.
Yesterday, we had a new neighbor move in across the street and a couple doors down. And so I went over there to meet him, and I did my best. I didn't want him to know I was a preacher. I worked hard on this. Because <laughs> once the old preacher comes out, you know, the door shuts down, and I'm, I'm out there, and, and he, he needed a tool. He needed something. I had, actually I had two of them, so I brought him over to my house, opened up the garage, which, which it looked like, you know, nightmare on Elm Street. But anyway, you know, and I gave him one of these things. I know all about his life. I know all about his family. I can tell you 20 details about this neighbor. He has no clue what I do for a living. And I worked hard on that yesterday. He has no idea that I'm praying for him the whole time. God, are you up to something here? God, are you up to something here? God, are you up to something here? He'll be in church one of these days. You'll see him. (laughs) I'll have him stand up. That's the dude. That's the dude. I'll tell you. You can't tell where it comes from. You You don't know what God has in store. Look at the next part of this. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. This is so true with everyone. A friend of mine emailed this to me after last week's sermon. He said, he said, today the indwelling and working of the Holy Spirit in my life is a welcome and settled fact, but it was not always that way. In fact, there was a point early on in my walk when the Spirit was most active when I thought he wasn't active at all. I didn't think that the Spirit was even working. He said, when, when Christ first came into my life, I asked him in a typical, I asked him in in a typical sinner's prayer, but I had a little concept of how much a sinner I actually was. Before Christ, I had no problem with issues such as porn, anger, attitude, control, insecurity, whatever other issues God continues to work out in my life. Everything was somebody else's fault, and as soon as the rest of the world would get straightened out, I'd be fine. Everyone was responsible but me. He said one of the first issues the Holy Spirit brought to my attention was my anger problem. I saw that, it was, that I was to put off anger. And so I vowed and I determined and I prayed for the ability to control my temper and anger. But I kept losing battle after battle to the point where as much as a younger Christian, I began to question whether or not I was even saved. How could I be saved and continue to do what I was doing? Where was God? Why wasn't he helping me to do what he was telling me to do? And finally, one day the Holy Spirit broke through and I received one of those stake in the ground moments. You know know what that means? Stake in the ground, like an aha moment, like, like an epiphany. I had one of those stake-in-the-ground moments. I became aware that prior to Christ, I had no conscience of sin, nor did I have any desire to fight against it. Now, even though I was losing the battles, I was aware and struggling. I had not done that before. The point is, at the time when I thought God was most absent and distant, he was actually the closest in my life, influencing and creating awareness of sin and starting the strength and the perseverance for the battle. And then he said this. He said, I think those of us who were saved a bit later in life have come to Christ with some deeply ingrained sins that don't give up easily. Do I hear an amen on that? The encouragement I want to offer to others, he said, is that God is not absent or distant when we struggle and when we fail. That's actually, he said, when he is the most active in your life. And so what is the wind? The the wind is that air that's rushing in to fill the gaps. Now, what he's going to do with your life is he's going to use you to fill other people's gaps. That's not what this sermon is about. But he is going to use you to fill gaps in other people's lives. And usually you start with family. But I want to give a little caveat to that. 
Maybe that's not good because some of your family is trying to bankrupt you or, or they've been on drugs for 100 years. And, and maybe, maybe that's not. So don't walk out of here today saying you've got to help somebody who won't ever get it together. I'm not saying that. But maybe there's a niece or a nephew in your family or other people in your family that actually you can write them a note or send them encouragement. God's going to use you to fill gaps in the church. Absolutely. God's going to use you to fill gaps in the community. That's not what this sermon is about. This message is about the gaps in your heart and the gaps in your life. And we've all got those gaps and we all feel those gaps. And what God wants to do is come into your life and and become a gap filler. So he wants to come into those of us that are control freaks and say, look, 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 let let me drive. I'm a good driver. I drive better than you. Will you let me drive? Can I drive your bus? He wants to come into those of you that are just so anxious. You go to bed every night just shaking. He says, I want to give you comfort. I'm going to give you the gap of comfort. You need some peace? Maybe you're dying this morning. Maybe you've got cancer and it's not looking good and you're you're dying. Can the Spirit of God? You're in a no-lose situation with God's Spirit. God's Spirit is going to send you and take you to glory forever and forever and forever. You see, He's going to use you, but He's going to come and start filling in your gaps and removing your pride. Pride in the Holy Spirit, they don't work. He's going to come and remove those insecurities. He's going to come and bring you to a place of trust, faith and confidence and hope. And guess what? That's the fun part. It's the discovery. It's the discovery to recognize that, gosh, if I just put my trust in Him, will He really do that for me? Is His Spirit really living inside of me? The answer is is absolutely. Now, how do I know that's going to happen? Is it going to be up to you? No, it's not going to be up to you because you can't do it. If you would have done, been able to do it, you already, would have, you already would have done it. If you could have already filled the gaps in your life, you would have already filled them. You can't do it. That's the gospel. The gospel is you can't get there. And just one last time back to Ezekiel 36. I love that verse. Ezekiel 36, God is saying, I will give you a new heart. And I will put my spirit in you. And and, and I will remove from you your heart of stone. And and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit inside of you. And I will help you to walk in all my ways. You just be careful. You just be careful. And I will do great things 